Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Rabbi Abby Sosland, and today we are studying Masechet Shkalim, Daf Chafbet, the Jerusalem Talmud Tractate Shkalim, page 22. As we arrive at the end of the Masechet, we should take a look back for a moment at the tractate and its subject. We have studied all sorts of issues in and around the Beit Mikdash and Bedek Habayit, the temple, the money that was collected for its upkeep, and how it was spent in and around the temple. Now, in the final Mishnah of the tractate, the Talmud finally deals with the truth that the temple is actually no longer standing. Hashkalim v'habikurim einan nohagin ela the mitzvot of shkalim and bikurim, the bringing of first fruits to the temple, are only practiced in front of the temple, that is, when the temple is standing. Aval masar dagan umasar behema uvechorot nohagin bein bibifnei habayit uvein shalobifnei habayit. But the tithes of grain and animals and the offerings of the firstborn animals happen whether or not the temple is standing. Finally, some real-life admission that not all of the rules that we've been studying for 21 pages actually matter when the temple is no longer standing. I love that the rabbis are willing to suspend reality for a little while to present Mishnah after Mishnah, as if the temple is standing right on the hilltop above. But it's also nice to know how exactly all of this might affect those of us who live without the temple standing as well. The Mishnah presents a distinction between the Shkalim and Bikurim um, and the 10%, the tithing that was done of the grain animal and and those firstborn animals. The tithes were required whether or not the temple was standing, but the first fruit and the shekel did not need to be given when the temple was not standing. So then this, of course, begs the question, what happens if someone does consecrate a shekel or a first fruit for the temple service, even when the temple is not standing? Would that item be counted as consecrated? Or would it be a non-issue and those items are counted as regular, as if nothing had happened to them? Once these items, a shekel or a bikur, um, once these items have become hektish, once they have become consecrated, do they remain hektish even though they can't be given toward the temple service? The Mishnah presents a machloket. According to Tanakama, Hamakdish Kalimuvikurim Hareze Kodesh. If someone does designate coins or first fruits, these items should be considered consecrated. They cannot be used for other things. But Rabbi Shimon disagrees. Haomer Bikurim Kodesh, Einan Kodesh. Even if you say these first fruits are Kodesh, even if you designate first fruits as consecrated, Rabbi Shimon says they are not 
Kodesh. They should not be counted as consecrated. They are just like regular fruit. So Rabbi Shimon says that Bikurim cannot be consecrated, but he still allows that Shkalim are concentrated when you say they are. Even if the temple is nowhere to be found, once you designate a Shekel as Hekdesh, it remains Hekdesh. So then why are some of these other items not considered Hekdesh? Why, is, why are Bikurim not considered Hekdesh? And then eventually the Talmud moves on and makes all of those items not Hekdesh, animal tithes, and grain tithes. Why? The Gemara explains here that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, that great modernizer of Jewish law in the time of the destruction of the temple, Bitla, he canceled it. Mipnei hatakala, because of the stumbling block that it caused. The problem is, once you consecrate an item, you cannot use it for anything else. It cannot be deconsecrated. And so Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai and the Talmud here are concerned that consecrated items will end up being used unlawfully. And so they said you just can't even consecrate an item so that they would avoid the problem of having people use hekdesh when it was not permitted. The Talmud brings a brighter that says if you do consecrate anything, it actually has to be destroyed so that no one can use it. A piece of clothing should be burned, an animal should be allowed to die, and coins should be tossed into the Dead Sea. Haksut tisaref, ha-behemah They should actually be dropped into the Dead Sea. The danger of using an item that has been consecrated is a really serious issue, and therefore the rabbis are so careful about it. Me'ila, deriving personal benefit from items that have been consecrated, is a religious crime, whether or not the temple is standing. So it needs to be dealt with very cautiously. The idea of watching out for me'ila still applies in modern times, and it certainly has applied in my life. I am often running out of change, and when I need some quarters for laundry or a few dollars to give to a delivery person at the door, it can be tempting to grab some change from the tzedakah box and figure, I'll just pay it back next time. But actually, the halacha does not allow this. Once a dollar bill or even a quarter has been designated as tzedakah, it cannot be used for something else. And if it has been designated for a specific purpose, it has to be used for that. So let's say there's a public tzedakah box at your local deli or in the synagogue, and everyone has been putting money in it towards a specific cause, maybe JNF or the local food pantry. You are not permitted, actually, to grab a dollar from your own wallet and switch it for four quarters that are in the box, even if you need the quarters. So it's not just that you can't take money from there, you actually can't even exchange that money because that money specifically was designated for a particular use. The quarters, let's say, were put there specifically for the cause on the box, so it's almost as if they are consecrated and it is prohibited to use them for anything else. I love this idea because the truth is, we know it's a little too easy to grab a few quarters from here, switch with a dollar from there, and before you know it, grab a few dollars from the tzedakah box and plan to pay it back. The rabbi's general concern about me'ila 
reminds us that it is way too easy to run fast and loose with our commitments. Making something hectic is a serious thing. Usually, when we decide to designate something for a sacred cause, oh, I'll give this away, or I'm going to pledge this much for tzedakah, we are often listening to the best part of our conscience. And of course, by the next day or two, we may forget our best intentions, and we say, oh, whatever, I'll just give something else another time. The law of hectesh reminds us, no. You have to keep your commitment, especially when it comes to gifts and sacred causes in general. And on this note, the Masechet comes to an end. The final note of our Masechet is that the Halacha goes according to Rabbi Shimon. The consecration of Bikurim no longer happens, but the consecration, consecration of Shkalim still applies. We've spent a tractate talking about how to care for the temple. But don't forget, even when the temple isn't standing anymore, your commitments still matter. The temple may no longer need your help, but certainly the Talmud reminds us at the end of this Masechet, we still have obligations to the community at large. And on that note, Slika la Masechet Shkalim. On that note, we move on from the tractate Shkalim and the discussion of the upkeep of the temple. We know our commitments matter. Hadran Alach, we will return to you, Masachet Shkalim, another time. But tomorrow, we move ahead with Masachet Yoma. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.